Before we begin today's episode, we would like to thank our sponsors. Without them, this podcast would not be possible at all. Swanshaw. They are the finest purveyors of kitchen units and shop fronts alike in the UK. So, if you need a brand new kitchen or a new shop front, consider visiting Swanshaw. You can find them on Instagram under the handle of at Swanshaw. Spill Digital. Are you currently in marketing mayhem? Need to give your marketing matrix a makeover? Is it all a bit of a mess? Look no further than the fabulous Chloe, founder and entrepreneur of Spill Digital. She'll make your mundane marketing magic again. You can find her on Instagram under at Spill Digital, or you can check out her website, spilldigital.co.uk. Now to today's episode. Hello and welcome back to The Therapy Files. I'm joined as always with my dearest colleague, Callum. Hello. How are you this week? Alright, apart from my ex messaging me, but other than that, we're all good. Okay. We'll discuss that later. Absolutely. (laughs) So, as you may remember, in our last episode, we were on death row. Good news is we've uh, had our sentences commuted and we're now just in prison. We're 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 whole line tariffers, aren't we? Yes, we are. And so we come to the title of this episode, Prisons. It really seems like we're going through the institutions, Callum. We are. I think this is the final stopgap on institutions, isn't it? For the time being, anyway. Yes. We uh, we went from disability to asylums to the death penalty, and now we're on the good old prisons. <laughs> Sounds like that very Boris Johnson, didn't it? The prisons. Yes. Uh, would you like me to start? Indeed. Awesome. So, London is the birthplace of prisons, created initially by philosopher Jeremy Bentham. A fun fact is, Bentham's usual home is inside a wooden cabinet in London, in the main building of the University College of London. University College London, should I say. One of the founding members of the college, this 18th century English philosopher and social reformer, who is often regarded as the founder of modern utilitarianism, sits rigidly on a wooden stool with a wooden cane between his legs. The mannequin is made of hay mostly, while the head is sculpted out of wax, but the skeleton at its core, the one that makes Jeremy Bentham sit up like a live person more than a century and a half after his death, is real and belongs none other than Bentham himself. So essentially, Mr Bentham is imprisoned in his own body in College of College of London. Mm. So, I, nice. I really think that was quite interesting because I learned that fact in religious studies. Did you really? Yeah. Why were we talking about prisons and religion? We weren't talking about prisons. We were talking about utilitarianism. Oh, really? Okay, the nice. greatest good for the greatest number. Mm. That's very interesting. So, carry on from the definitions. Rubin 2018 suggests that prisons are government-sanctioned facilities designed for the long-term confinement of adults as punishable for serious offences. This definition of prisons, frequently believed by actual practice, by an accurate representation of the prison as an ideal type, emerged relatively late in human history. So prisons emerged rather late, if we're honest, as an actual institution, Mm. particularly for the Western history. Incarceration played a minor role in punishment and was often reserved for elite or political offenders. However, it was rarely considered a punishment in its own right for the most offenders. So most often, offenders would often be put in the stocks, 
sentenced to death, as we spoke about last time. So prison was very rarely kept for, well, your, your normal offender, really. Mm. It was more, mostly used for, I guess, the more serious people who they couldn't particularly kill, people mm. who they wanted to keep for long periods of time, i.e. political prisoners. Prisoners of worth, I suppose. The notion of the prison as a place of punishment emerged gradually according to most accounts over the 17th through 19th centuries, although there were several sorry, precursors to penal incarceration. The most influential was the 17th century Dutch workhouse, the first formal use of penal incarceration in a prison as a distinct institution began with the American proto-prison in the late 18th century and evolved into the modern prison in the early to mid-19th century. So America were really at the forefront of the prisons, even though it was created in the United Kingdom. I suppose we see that now, don't mm. we, which we'll speak about a bit later, the, the max super prisons that we see now. We very much follow their template for that, don't we? We with, do. With uh, we do. places like Wakefield, you know, Bronzehead. Yeah, Brom, yeah, very much following that, that model. These modern prisons proved influential around the world in the late 19th century America. However, the modern prison experienced a series of reimaginings or iterations, beginning with proliferation of different forms, including distinctive forms of southern punishment, convict leasing, chain gangs, and plantation-style prisons, specialised prisons across the country, women's prisons, adult reformatories, and maximum security prisons, and efforts to reduce reliance on prisons, drawing on innovations from Australia and Ireland. So, Australia and Ireland particularly found that basically too many people would be in prison to try to alleviate the use of prisons um, so they didn't become, I guess, overused. And at the very end of this, this flurry activity was followed by a period of serial recreation in the 20th century in the form of the Big House Prison, the Correctional Institution and the Warehouse Prison, including the subtype, the Super Maximum Security Prison. In this recent period, American prisons have once again become models copied by other countries, which is what I was, which I was alluding to before. And that was bought by Rubin, 2018, Prison history, criminology, and criminal justice. Mm. It's interesting that, really, that you've outlined the history of the prisons, because I always think about other prisons, like prison ships and things mm, like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a good point, isn't it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure Australia began as a country yeah. from immigrants in England. Yeah. It got sent away or exiled. It did, but we, we do have to point out that Australia is, was a country owned by the Aborigines originally. Yes, it was. And we very much colonised it and still they face tremendous hatred and persecution. Bad British people. Mm, those British people. So now, why were prisons created? You might think this is a simple answer, but it's not. They never are, are they? No. So prisons, or houses of corrections, if we're in America, were originally established to deter petty crime. And prisons served originally to rehabilitate and not punish offenders. Prisons wanted to deter criminals by using hard labour. And that is according to Morris and Rotham in 1998 from the Oxford History of the Prison the practice of punishment in western society but of course we have to we have to refer to the differences between prisons and jails because mm. i think they're often used very interchangeably yeah it's they not, are. not always good, the case yeah there's a huge distinction between the two isn't there yeah so in most countries mainly america here's looking at you usa jails are used for short sentences and prisons are used for longer sentences and house more dangerous inmates such as ourselves yes where we are right now we mm-hmm. are currently in san quentin mm. and that was from the difference between jail and prison the problem it creates 
Banger C or C Banger 2020. Cracking name, isn't it? C Banger. C Banger, yeah. I like it. Pretty poetic. But then we've got different types of prisons. We've got the super maximum prisoners for high risk offenders, minimum security for low risk offenders, often let out to do the work with curfew. So they might be doing, I don't know, community work? Yeah, to re- renovate yeah, yeah, things yeah. and places. Yeah, charity work is very common as well. I think they're quite useful as well because what it does, it allows the offender to give back, which is what originally, obviously, prisons were created and jails were created to rehabilitate, weren't they? They were, they were. Um, but then we've got state prisons which are run by the states and governments with high-risk offenders housed. But then we've also got proper notorious prisons that have really become known for things like mental health issues. Mm. So in England, we have Broadmoor. Yeah, Bedlam. Um, and, and Bedlam, yeah. And um, Ashworth as well. Which yeah, so um, that's interesting. And I just thought, you know, those prisons are still active today. Yeah. Absolutely. I think... There was, when I was doing the research yesterday, I think there was like over 100 prisons still active in England. So. Yeah, there's a lot. And I think there's still scope for them to build more, isn't there? Which is a, as abolitionist, I found, uh, an abolitionist, sorry should I say, um, I find quite harrowing. Carrying on from from where you left off, Craig, there are also federal, federal prisons, which are run by the federal government, as the name suggests, for people who have committed or violated federal law, i.e. terrorism. Um, so they're, they're crimes that affect the entire country, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly in America, because obviously we have to understand here that America is governed by states. So each state has its own regulations, but if it's a, an attack that attacks the entire country as a whole, then federal prison is one that is used. Mm-hmm. Juvenile detention centres, that's for children aged 18 and under. Private correctional institutions, which are usually for more, um, should we say, higher class offenders. Something that, that fascinated me from my time in criminology is gulags, notoriously brutal Russian prisons. The, mm. gu- the gulag was a system of Soviet labour camps and accompanying detention and transit camps and prisons from the 1920s to the mid-1950s. It was particularly popular with Stalin, Stalinism. Mm. It housed political prisoners, shockingly, and criminals of the Soviet Union. At its the Gulag imprisoned millions of people. There are military prisons, which, as the name suggested, for soldiers and people in the military. Psychiatric prisons and hospitals, as you said before, Craig. A famous prison in Vietnam, which I apologise if I butcher the name to our dear Asian listeners, but it's Hoa Lo Prison, used by French colonists for prison, political prisoners in Vietnam. Most prisons have a panop... I can never say this word. Panopticon layout... Is that right? Panopticon. Panopticon rape layout. Blur. Put my teeth back in. Which is the invention of Bentham cell facing outwards where they are all being locked into to prevent crime happening. So it's basically set out so criminals can be seen in the cells and any um, punishments for that can be then handed out, which sounds lovely. Yeah. I think it was done to deter crime. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think it's to stop because I suppose their ideology of that, if you put a bunch of naughty boys together, then they're obviously going to be, or naughty Mm. women, you probably when Bentham created naughty boys Mm. together, there's obviously going to be further crime that would fluctuate from that, which ironically shows that prisons don't work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that uh, that references from Furman and Bayer 2013, prisons and prison systems types and challenges. And I still want to really say that word as well, so I'm going to try and say it again. Panop. Tikkun. Panopticon. Yes. yes. Well done, Come on. Come well on. Done. Take that, dyspraxia and dyslexia. Um, and pr- obviously, we, prisons are, are very popular in our culture, and I don't just mean the way we use them, but they also come into our pop culture. There have been many famous books, series, and, pr- and um, films yeah. uh, which are generated around prisons. Examples of this include, obviously, very popular Escape from Alcatraz, Cool Hand Luke, The Shawshank Redemption. I've not seen that. You've never seen The Shawshank Redemption? No. What's wrong with you. Have you seen Cool Hand Luke? No. 
Have you seen Escape from Alcatraz? Uh, maybe. You need to go and have a serious binge. Okay. Um, Prison Break, which I actually think is very overrated, but I'm feeling that's going to make me lose a lot of listeners now. Bad Girls, very popular here in the UK. Mum and Dad used to yeah, watch that. Yeah, that's it. My mum and dad did as well. Very, very popular. Yeah. Um, one of Craig's favourites, Orange is the New Black. Yes. Um, one of my all-time favourite series, Oz. If anybody's watched that, that is actually the first series that depicts male rape in prison. Very ahead really? of its time. An absolutely fantastic series. Um, launched a lot of careers for people who then appeared in my all-time favourite great series, The Wire. So I've not seen The Wire. You no, know, it's, it's the best thing ever to be on TV. Sorry, guys, there's nothing that touches it. The Ghost Factory, The Prison Doctor, there's some books there on prisons. A Bit of a Stretch, The Diary of a Prisoner. World's Toughest Prisons, actually, ironically, what inspired me to turn vegetarian, of all things. Okay. Went, yeah, Wentworth Prison, uh, Australia, that's on Australian TV drama, Channel 5. Did you put that one in? I don't yeah, I did. Um, Screw, TV drama on Channel 4 recently. I Great. Great Escapes of Morgan Freeman, Sky History Programme, looking at documentaries of how criminals have escaped prisons historically. But yeah, we're moving on now to kind of mental health in prisons. But when, before we talk about that, Craig, what, what, do you have a particular series that you or, or books that you can think of about prisons that you've enjoyed? Or uh, Wentworth. Wentworth was really good because it was all about the women. In Scum prison. was a good one as well. Do you remember that? Scum, I'm not. With I'm, Ray Winston, that was a good one as well. No, I've not read that or, or even watched it. Maybe not. That was a good one. Uh, but I did watch Screw mm-hmm. quite recently. Was that good? It was. I enjoyed it. A lot of therapeutic work going on in there. Oh, that's good. In those prisons. Um, and more often than not, it, the drama pretty much showed prison guards being the ones with the most trauma mm. rather than the, the prisoners, you know? I'm not sure how I feel about that. Mm. It's difficult. I'm not saying the prison guards certainly cannot be traumatised. They absolutely can, but my empathy seems to lie with the prisoner as opposed to the guard. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. No, in, in certain ways, yes. However, if anybody's seen this, uh, or if anybody's not seen it, rather, there is a spoiler coming up now. Basically, the main prison guard was born in prison. Oh, wow. Therefore, she stayed in prison all of her life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she couldn't actually leave the prison. I mean, she could if she wanted to, but she didn't feel like she was able to leave. So she always just slept in that inner spare cell. Wow. So, that's real institutionalisation, isn't it? And that's one of the issues yeah. with prisons is is the amount of institutionalisation that occurs there, isn't it? Mm, yeah. I think we covered an institutionalisation with a little bit of Goffman. Yeah, we did. Back, yeah, we so. did. We did. I remember doing it with uh, one of my lecturers, Karen, Karen Cortine in uh, Criminology. So if you listen to Karen, hello. Um, Come on the podcast. Yeah, I'd love to. She does it. She, one of her areas of expertise is wrestling, wrestling, crime and wrestling. Right. Which I'm quite interested in. Okay. Send you one of her articles that she did. In the red corner, it's Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the blue corner, it's Johnson, Johnson who will Johnson. win. Johnson Johnson, it sounds like a, like a bad cough mixture medicine, doesn't it? I know. Johnson Johnson's cough mixture. Anyway, I digress. Speaking about institutionalisation, I think it's very important now that we cover mental health within the prison system, so I'll mm. pass over to my esteemed colleague, Mr Johnson in the blue corner. I'm not that esteemed, believe me. So, prisons and the crisis unmet of the mental health needs basically, is what we're going to be talking about now. So currently in prison, there is a crisis of unmet health needs. The Institute of Psychiatry estimated that over half of prisoners have poor mental health, including depression, post-traumatic stress, and anxiety. Around 15% of prisoners have specialist mental health needs. Around 2% are thought to have acute and serious mental health problems and self-harm incidents also rose by 73% between 2012 and 2016. Is it surprising? No, not at all. I don't think so. Not at all. Not at all. No. 
And over half of prisoners have poor mental health. Something else I found quite interesting was that 26% of women and 16% of men said that they'd received treatment for mental health problems the year before they were imprisoned mm. or in custody. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm. I, suppose, I suppose as well, like, I, I kind of want to counter that as well. And I imagine, and I'm making an assumption here, I imagine the men's was probably a lot higher, but I'm wondering, that, particularly for vulnerability and toxic masculinity, I wonder how many male prisoners felt they could come forward. What do you think? don't know. I would suggest not many. Mm. You'd think, wouldn't you? Because yeah. prison's a pretty tough place, and I think that, particularly for men, I don't know about women, I'm making an assumption. I assume, I assume women as well, but particularly from what I've seen within the male, and what I've seen with prisoners in counselling is that it's very foolish in prisons to show weakness. Mm. I'm assuming it's the same with women as well. I've never actually worked with female prisoners. I'd love to. Yeah. If anybody's out there looking for a uh, counsellor, Callum is your Or a guy. podcast appearance. Indeed, indeed. I also found that 25% of women and 15% of men in prison reported symptoms of in which were indicative of psychosis. And the rate among the general public for psychosis is 4%. Wow. So what does that say about the conditions in which the prison exists mm. and the idea of institutionalisation causing that psychosis? Absolutely. It, it seems to be it's quite concerning, isn't it, the idea that... And we know prisons don't work, but the, the very idea that the institutions there that are supposed to protect people and, and, and encourage change mm. are actively damaging the people that are inside them. Mm. I know people are going to argue here and say, you know, but yeah, they're, they're there to be punished. Well, actually, they're not. Prisons weren't designed to be punished, they were designed no, to rehabilitate. They were. And this was in the Victorian period, so 1800s. Yeah, almost. yeah, yeah. If not, yeah, no, yeah, 1800s, yeah. Yeah. I should know that with them. I think they did loads of different things like gardening and uh, sewing and listening to music and sitting in room painting and doing all yeah, that Yeah, they, did, they did jobs and things like Because they did a lot of work around the prisons to, to keep it as well, didn't they? So, mm-hmm. They got very famous with the bottle and chain, do you remember that? Yes, yeah. yes. Very much so. And that was from the Prison Reform Trust. Mm-hmm. The idea of the, the psychosis being higher in prison than it is in the general public. Mm. Not surprising, though, is it? It's, it's, no. Uh, if you put somebody with already difficult mental health problems, or, or even no mental health problems, in, in that kind of environment where they're constantly at risk and constantly following a strict routine, it's going to damage you, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's going to damage you. And there are many people sent to prison who, and I, I'm not making, I'm not generalising here, but many people are sent to prison who can't cope with it, you know, mm. and who shouldn't be sent there. They find it overwhelming, and mm. sadly, they lose their lives because mm. of it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah they do. So we're going to now move on to the benefits of the prison system. We had to be fair here, guys. We are both... Uh, would you like to say the word correct? Because I would struggle to say it. Abol- abolitionists. 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 Like, he's saying abolitionists. I don't know why. Abolitionists. I don't know that, how... that, that might be the correct I don't phrase. think it's abolitionists. We, we want to abolish the prisons. That's what we're trying to say. Please ignore my terrible dialect. Yes, but what would, what would we put in place? Pardon? What would we put in place of the prisons? Institutions to care and look after people and rehabilitate them properly. Right, so... Obviously, I suppose, I suppose really dangerous offenders would need somewhere to go. And I assume that would be something like a secure hospital. Yeah. You know. Mm. You know. Interesting. No, I agree. What would you think? What do you think? I, I agree with you. And I think there are inherent flaws with the prison system. Or would you keep the prisons and tweak them if you were? I would certainly improve them, mm-hmm. but I would make them more person centred. Okay. In, in you make them ways. more centred towards offender needs. Yes. Yeah, and from what I know of prisons now, they are centred towards person-centred stuff. However, I think there there has been sight lost. Yeah, they, 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 were, yeah I mean. they were created towards growth, weren't they? But they, they very much become the opposite. Yeah. They very much become the place where you 
become stagnant and die. Yeah, and therefore or reoffend. I think I think prisons have something like a ninety six percent reoffending rate, which I think is something like yeah, that. Which is yeah. shocking, isn't it? Really, it is. It is clearly not working. No. Anyway, on to the benefits of prisons. They provide education to offenders. I think we've just mentioned that. They keep the public safe, mm-hmm. which is a key one. And they can keep some offenders safe, mm-hmm. i.e. safe from harm to themselves or to others mm-hmm. within that prison context because they have specialist units mm-hmm. occasionally that can keep them secure. It can also provide careers and job opportunities. There are many people out there often ex-police sometimes not ex-police but there are many people out there that work in prisons and serve to keep our country as safe as possible in this case and it's supposedly supposed to be a deterrent and it prevents retribution but it opens the chance for offenders to reform to look at that moment in their life where they had the problem and their behaviour and it allows them to sort of develop personally reflect on yeah and it also creates bonds between prisoners and they often share tattoos mm. and, and life experience. Absolutely. And I'd imagine food. Yeah. As well. <laughs> and drugs. Yes. Alcohol. And that was from Raphael and Stoll in 2009 who wrote a book called Do Prisons Make Us Safer? The Benefits and Costs of the Prison Boom. I will now hand over to my esteemed colleague for the negatives. Thanks, boss. Craig's last name is Johnson, so Boris Johnson. He's his uncle. Distantly. You going to respond to that? No comment. Because it's true. Uh, so we're now on to the negatives. The prison site is about to strangle me. Um, obviously, the negatives of prisons include high suicide rates. Gangs have been formulated in prisons, such as the far-right gang, the Aryan Brotherhood. Drug addiction often starts within prisons. It's often abused by guards and other inmates. Bullying. Riots. Murder occurs in prison, i.e. serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer was killed by another inmate. It's very common for males to be raped in prison, and I assume females as well, but there's not as much... Um, it's been more commonly spoken about, about male rape in prison. Sure. I'm, assuming, I'm assuming female rape happens in prison as well, but it's not really something that seems to be looked at. If anybody's an expert in that, I'd love to hear about it. I think it was depicted in Wentworth Prison for an episode. Oh, really? I think really? it was. Wow, okay. yeah. well, was it ever done in Bad Girls or Orange is the New Black? I only ask because I've never watched. I can't remember Bad Girls because that was when I was like... I mean Yeah, little tiny thing. But I think it might have been represented in Orange is the New Black okay. also in okay. some ways. Okay. That's interesting. Prisons also have higher reoffending rates as we spoke about before. They are very expensive. Very expensive. Uh, also the school of crime. Prisoners educating other criminals which is what we spoke about before. You put one naughty person in the room with another naughty person they will share and encourage others to commit similar things themselves. Yeah. Affects offenders' families and intimate relationships. Yeah, we have, as I said before, we have prisoners who are there for a very long time. Some of them are fathers and mothers. They never get to see their children. You know, there are parents who lose out on their own children being in prison. Um, it massively disrupts the family dynamics. And uh, it's understandable, you know, when all you've got is time and, you know, you might not see your family again for another 20-odd years, why you might think it's not worth it. A lot of my life's already gone, mm. isn't it? You know. And yet there are some people out there that will say, well, maybe... Maybe they don't deserve it. Yeah, family. yeah, and it's a fair it's a fair fair argument, but also counter argument and say, Well put yourself in their shoes, you know. Mm. A lot of them come from, you know, disadvantaged backgrounds, many come from really, you know, working class areas, because you know the majority there are middle class prisoners in there, but the majority of them are from the working class, aren't they? Yes. You know, and create p- crime to um, to succeed. And you know, you see people there for things like tax fraud for like ten years when people who rape women are going down for like four years and you, you start to think a prison's being used to, to tax a 
members or mm. the more important things such as rapists who present a very real danger to our society isn't it yeah you know? and just while we're there on that point I think what stops men raping women is men not raping women not raping women it's perfect deterrent don't know why we never thought of it before actually mm. unbelievable yeah yeah, as I was saying, sorry. Um, abolish, <laughs> abolition. I think it is abolitionist. Abolition. Know? Abolition. Abolition. Yeah, it's definitely abolitionist. Yeah. Are people who wish to remove prison systems and police officers due to the effects they have on society. And I would very much identify as one of them, even though I bloody struggle to say the word because I'm a dunce. Um, You're not. Thank you. That this was brought to you by Davis, 2011. Are prisons obsolete? And OWS, 2011. Prisons as a school of crime as evidence from cell level interactions. I believe that was in America. Can I ask, is that always the is in your thesis? No, no, that's all. That's always. Oh right, <laughs> different all. That's always getting very, very um, confused between theses. So now we come to the corn of the argument. After what, oh the yeah, last yeah, episode. we're not allowed to say meat and drink, are we? <laughs> well, you said it. I did, yeah. I banned it. We're looking at counselling in relation to the prisons now. Counselling is frequently used in prisons across the world to assist offenders and also the staff and their mental well-being. Um, yeah, I can imagine it would be quite a huge job to be a counsellor within a prison. Absolutely, it would be terrifying. You know, even if we got to lose it the other way and say... A prison guard using counselling skills, you know, or a warden using counselling skills, you know, or even a priest or a vicar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. And counselling is used often to assess risk of offenders and assist in the rehabilitation. Many prisoners, as we've already discussed, have history of mental health problems, and mental health problems often begin while they're in prison. Simply the idea of the same four walls. Definitely, and it's exasperated as well. I think if you already have problems. And you go in there, mm. you know, it's definitely going to prolong that. Isn't it? And obviously, as you said before, Craig, there's massive exposure to trauma in there, isn't there? You Absolutely. Know, you know, you're in constant danger. I imagine you're always on high alert, things like that. Mm. Yeah, looking over your shoulder, wondering if Johnny's going to shiv you. Shank you. Oh, yeah, shiv. It's a shiv, isn't it? Nice prison knife. Yeah, you're right. Or whether Bertram over the other shoulder is going to do your head in with the chest piece. Yeah. Hmm, indeed. But counselling can also offer um, an assistance to offenders who are serving whole life tariffs in coming to terms with their situation and it can allow them to develop their self-awareness mm-hmm. also. And that was from Masters ER 2001, Counselling Criminal Justice Offenders. I've just remembered something. Second you... edition. Oh, the second edition. Before I forget, Oz, what we were talking about before, mm. you'll find this interesting, actually has a portrayal of a, wheel, of a real-life wheelchair user really? as well. I, mean, I forgot to mention it to you. One of the first TV shows, so I recommend it. Excellent. Before Excellent. I forget. I think there was a portrayal of a wheelchair user in Screw as well. Oh, really? And he was a very bitter character. <laughs> going to, going back to the trope of um, bitter disabled person. Yeah, angry there. at the world. Yes. We're pointing, at, in other words, taking the mickey out of that because it's wrong. Yeah. And I think moving forwards now, we have to look at gender in, in some certain context. And really, I think maybe the big problem or maybe the main the main point here really is that prisons are separate by gender mm. for obvious reasons of course although there is the debate and a very very good debate mm. of trans people um should yeah. they be moved from their their prison to another one and yeah. i'm very much in favor of that i don't know about you craig but yes. I, I think trans women should belong in female prisons and, and trans yeah. women belong in male prisons absolutely yeah. a good example of that is on orange is the new black mm. to be quite honest mm. 
a character comes out as trans. Right. Um, so I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. A support in the series, or did you just have not seen it? Or? They did. Oh, they did. Sorry to spoil it, guys. I was just really curious. No, it's okay. But sex segregation of prisoners enables and contributes to the production of masculinity and femininity because men and women's prison experiences employ different rules and different norms of conduct, and therefore their experiences are different. Mm-hmm. And that comes from Pemberton, 2013. Mm-hmm. But I would also say that masculinity is entwined with the idea of sexuality to form hierarchy in which sexual dominance and penetration are associated with high statuses Mm. whereas those who are weaker younger less attractive or perceived as feminine in appearance or behavior hold low status and are targets for sexual assault according to Sabo Cuppers and London 2001 in peak 2004 Mm -hmm. But I think they're right on that. Yeah, definitely. The production of a space certainly forms what is expected and what is not in those spaces, really. And there is an existence of comprehensive gender recognition legislation and universal healthcare in the United Kingdom, which means that the English prison system reinforces binary gender categories that are more likely to be consistent with prisoners' self-identification, as we were just saying. There was recently a new policy out that prohibits guards from searching transgender or intersex prisoners solely for the purposes of determining their genital status, and therefore they have to go through training of guards about LGBT rights. LGBTQ plus rights. LGBTIQ plus star thingy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever that is. And it would also work to introduce better reporting procedures for sexual assault. And again, that is by Pemberton 2013. And interestingly, according to the Ministry of Justice in 2018... Women in the system have consciously accounted for 5% of prison population overall in England and Wales. And this equated to 3,803 female prisoners compared to 78,970 male prisoners. So they still are a small amount in prison. Yeah, they really are, aren't they? And the prison system, according to a recent fact from the Prison Reform Trust 2001, is now made up just of 4% of women. So to counteract that 5%, so it's going down even. However, that means there's 96% of prisoners in the UK are men. However... The Prison Reform Trust also say that compared to now, uh, in 1993, there was twice as less Mm. women in prison. Mm. But also, 99 women have died in prison since 2010, and two in every five deaths were self-inflicted. That's so sad. It is sad. Did it speak much about male suicide in prison? Just out of interest. I... I imagine the figures are fairly high. Well, imagine it is high. What did I say... You know, I didn't have a stat to back That's that all right. one up. We Sorry. Always, we maybe we could pop one on the on the um, on the podcast list. And going off from what Craig was saying, six hundred pregnant women on average are held in prisons each year. Birth companions, birth charter for women in prison in England and Wales, two thousand and sixteen. Roughly a hundred babies are born in prisons each year. Only purpose-built prisons for women in the UK is HMP Bronzefield in Ashford, Surrey. Women receive less visits than men and receive less support from partners. However, maintaining relationships assists women to resettle and provide support upon release. Women are usually the primary carer for their children, and it's important for them to maintain that bond whilst they are in custody. That's from HMP Bronzefield, 2002. They actually had that on their website. That's really good. 
Fantastic. That's really, no, that is really good. One in four women experiences domestic abuse annually in the UK. In a recent needs analysis of women at HMP YOI Bronzefield, 56% of women reported that they had been a victim of domestic abuse in the past. 57% of women surveyed also reported that they had worked in the sex industry and wanted to leave. We offer the support these women require to address their specific needs. Again, that's brought by HMP Bronzefield 2022. And that's really good and I'm pleased. I mean... The cynic in me just says it's on there for box ticking, but I'm still pleased that it's on there because it shows us yeah. that there's certainly an awareness for female needs on, on, on there. And I hope that's the same with trans women as well. Yeah. I didn't particularly see any particular stat relating to trans women on HMP Bronzefield, mm. but I would imagine that there is that there is one there somewhere. Again, that's something we could maybe look at popping onto the, um, the episode description as well. Maybe sure. you know, the male race as well. Yeah. So we're now looking at race and prison, which is something I'm obviously quite passionate about. Um, Why? Because there's an overriding amount of ethnic minorities in prisons across the world, particularly in the UK and in the US, and um, it's disgusting. Mm. Wasn't it? Good. I wasn't saying... Why were you challenging me, Craig? I wasn't saying why as in, like, why are you considering that? But I'm just saying why as in so the listeners can understand why... Defending my minorities, eh? Yes. <laughs> as we should. Absolutely. Um, race and prison. 26% of the prison population, so that's 22,683 people, are from an ethnic minority background or a minority ethnic group. If our prison population reflected the makeup of England and Wales, we would have over 9,000 fewer people in prison, the equivalent of 12 average sized prisons. The economic cost of black, Asian, and minority ethnic BAME over representation in our prison system is estimated to be 234 million a year, which is a hell of a lot. It is. It's almost like the prison systems are racist and the justice system too to thought that. Hmm, let's have a think. Mm, interesting that, isn't it? Analysis conducted um, for the Lamy Review. The Lamy Review? Never heard that one before. Neither have I. No, I've as well. I've never ever heard of that. Found a clear direct association between ethnic group and the odds of receiving a custodial sentence with black people 53%, Asian 55%, and other ethnic groups at 81% more likely to be sent to prison for an indic- indicable offence at the Crown Court even when factoring in higher not guilty plea rates. Black men are 26% more likely than white men to be remanded in custody. They are also nearly 60% more likely to plead not guilty. That's from the Prison Reform Trust in 2022. The largest share of the US prisoners in federal correctional facilities were of African-American origin, shockingly to no one. As of 2018, there were almost 409,600 black non-Hispanic prisoners compared to 394,800 white non-Hispanic inmates. Percent of black Americans in the US pop, general US population is 13% plus. Percent of people in prison or jail who are black is 38% plus. Incarceration rate for black versus white Americans is 2,306 versus 450 per 200,000. Per 100,000. That's quite It's a significantly a more, isn't it? Mm. Percent of people serving life without parole or virtual life sentences who are black, 48% plus. Arrest for black versus white Americans is 6,109 versus 2,795 per 100,000. Again, an extortionately amount of black people being arrested Mm. and other ethnic minorities. The number of arrests of black Americans in 2018 was 2.8 million plus. Percent of people on probation or parole who are black are 30% plus, and that's brought by the prisonpolicy.org. Wow. (sighs) Worrying. Massively worrying and seems like it's increasing, doesn't it? Yeah, and I suppose what I could have done was look for a stat on how many black prison officers there are. Mm. 
or prison, I or wasn't yeah, able to find or one. police officers, which also might be an interesting, yeah. an interesting uh, mm. thing to look at as well, isn't it? Yeah, we can certainly add more statistics to this going forwards. And um, if anybody is out there and does actually do this research, come and talk to us because we'd love to hear more on this. Because when I was actually doing my part of the research, the only thing I could think was all of these topics, all of these areas could be like PhDs. Yeah, they could. They could. Yeah, they could. I'm sure they have been, haven't they? I would imagine Um, so. Because it's such a massively troubled area. But I suppose our last point here, Craig, is do prisons work? And you've got some stuff you've got on there, so I'd like you to go first with that. Sure. No problem at all. Um, so the short answer for me is yes and no. As always, I'm a bit of a... You're on the fence. <laughs> I'm a bit on the fence. You libertarian. Mm, I know. It depends on the context in which we ask the question, I suppose, mm-hmm. one would argue. Do they work at keeping people safe? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do they? Uh, do people reoffend? Yes, they do, you know. But it is lower in general than imagined, you know. Do they seek to reform and reintegrate the prisoner? Yes, I still think they do. However, I think they could be doing more. You know, there are a lot of choices and options there Mm -hmm. for prisoners. They can even get a degree while they're in prison. Mm -hmm. However, I do feel that they could be doing more to reintegrate and help people sort of come to terms with what they've done in some ways. But also, no, because there is still a reoffending rate. And if it worked completely, there would be no reoffending, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or even effectively, there would be a small percentage of reoffending. Yeah, but overall, who knows? This is really complex. That's my thoughts. Mm. What are your thoughts, Gal? Well, before we do, you've got this one here as well. What's this? Oh, yes. Yeah, there's something here you've put. I was looking at that. Looks yeah. like you've been, been pillaging in some statistics. So Indeed. please, please share them before I share mine. So we're thinking about offending rates or reoffending rates. And that has dropped, believe it or not. So the reoffending rate in the UK in 2018 was 24.7%, which is one of the lowest rates they've ever had when actually working on reoffending stats, mm. basically. And overall, the proven reoffending rate at the most recent that I could find was 25 5.2 and that was October to December 2019 so there is our decrease mm-hmm. that's interesting so I'm wondering in this case do prisons work? well maybe they do if they are I don't know to quote, to quote the remark I made about my ex messaging me before they're a bit late to the party aren't they yes yeah. And I think that without sounding too, too cynical, I think that the fact that they're only working now, or I'm not saying they are working now, but the fact that there's been some success now highlights that this system is completely broken. And that to mm. me, there's no way back. I think they need to be removed and replaced with something else, as we spoke about before. Mm. Mm, that's an interesting point mm. I'm going to ask you about in a, minute, in a moment. But we've also got juvenile reoffending mm. rate, and that's decreased by three percentage points from the same quarter of the previous year. Mm-hmm. However, for context, the number of offenders in the cohort has also fallen mm-hmm. by 88% since 2008. Mm-hmm. So overall, one could argue, yes, there is decrease. Mm-hmm. But is it really representative of the fact that prisons work? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wouldn't say so, but I suppose my, my, my opinion is biased on that. I mean, for yourself, Craig, I mean, you, you made a point before you said that prisons keep us safe, and I kind of want to challenge you gently there. Do you okay. think, but do they? I guess. Is what I'm but do they? At. Do they, not in fact, generate more crime? 
They do. Mm. They might keep us safe for a time from a select offender, but mm. more crime seems to come out of them than when it goes in, if that makes sense. That is true. But also, it makes us wonder, are we safer with the people inside? Mm. Or, or should we more, be more concerned with the people that are on the outside? Mm. Back to the question, doesn't it? It does. And I can't give a straight answer mm-hmm. because I don't know. Mm. My research into this is minimal. Callum is the criminologist, and I... I didn't take this as an expert area, though, just to point out, dear listener. <laughs> well, you have more... You yeah, have okay, more I, have degree, I have a degree in criminology, yeah, but I won't call myself a, a um, staunch prison knowledge machine. You know no. what I mean? I certainly know a bit about it, but definitely not as much as some of my esteemed colleagues do. I think my uh, my area of interest was always around serial killers and representations in the media. Mm. Yeah, well, I always found that really interesting, but I always found prisons a really interesting subject, because uh, um, as an abolitionist, you always find the mm. abolitionist, whatever it's bloody called, you find the um, <laughs> you find it makes for an interesting debate. It does, it does. And either way, I'm happy to have spoken about this. Mm. And yeah, I might not have settled on particular yes or no mm-hmm. but I'm open minded mm-hmm. so Certainly. there you go Certainly. and Callum what are your thoughts on prisons? Yeah I mean mine's not quite as long as, long as your answer and I certainly didn't put too much research in because I think my my, uh, my prodding at prisons throughout this episode probably speaks for itself but what I would say is no I, I, I think prisons need to be torn down now I think, they've, I think they've had their run and I think that they're clear proof that they don't work by the huge reoffending rates the amount of suicide the amount of racial bias that goes on the amount of sexism transphobia homophobia mm-hmm. you know lack of protection for prisoners lack of education for, for male guards mm. um, of course there are positive aspects to prisons there are positive aspects to anything you know it's, it's great you can get an education and it's great that you know there, there are trades that can come out of that you know they do training in there which is what ironically prisons were originally made for which was quite admirable but I think like you said before Craig highlighted it quite well they've very much fallen away from that now and I think it's more you lock them up and throw away the key and hope for the best you know mm. or don't hope for the best and I think that um, they've not worked for a very long time and maybe they never did you know what I mean? You know, I think there's, I think there was good ideologies behind them, mm. and I think they were certainly an interesting concepts. But I think more now, as a society, we can't imagine a life without them. So that's why we're finding it so hard to remove them. Mm. You know. Okay. So I want to ask you briefly: What do you see the future of the prison looking like? If you could create an, or if I could space. make a utopian Callum world. Yeah. Uh, if you could make an ideal space and the prison was actually working and doing what it should be doing yeah I, I, you know I'd keep the philosophical ideas of them to be a place where people can get a degree and an education but I'd also use it to more kind of social treatment and um, education where, where the crime's gone wrong I'm a big fan of restorative justice as well I think people should be able to tell people the impact that the crimes have had on them and obviously for more serious crimes guys I'm not I'm certainly not saying that somebody who's raped somebody or murdered somebody or things like that should be not put in prison of course they should in terms of they should be kept away from the public but I would say something like more like a secure hospital would be a good place or Mm. somewhere where they can be made aware that that kind of behaviour is not acceptable I'm a particular fan of the Scandinavian model of prisons which is not something I put in where um, they're very much at the forefront of prisons they they very much have a relationship between the guards and the inmates and you can only serve I think it's up to 20 years in prison there and after that you're whatever the crime is you're out you know Mm. which obviously of course generates issues itself but they have the lowest reoffending rate so that that ideology seems to work you know Mm. 
I find that I find there's a lot more bullying kind of in our kind of Western prison population, particularly from guards, and it feels like there's more of a they and us and them attitude, which I sort of understand. But at the same time, I think that prisoners need, I guess, need figures that they can look up to who can help them and challenge them not to reoffend. You know, as opposed to people who are there to manage their behaviour 24/7. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think that I think prisons, if they were going to be working, would be more for people like who committed serious assaults or um, robberies, things like that. That could be interesting. But the, the problem with them is they're so expensive. So if you're taking somebody who's done a, a robbery and putting them in prison, probably cost you more to put them in prison than it would that they did what they what they did in the robbery. Mm. So in that way, it's quite backward as well. Mm. If you get what I mean, and that's the other thing. They're so expensive and they they waste a lot of taxpayers' money, and it's the working class that pay for them more than anything. it's not the middle class. You know, mm. it's mm. the working class who pay for them and under thrown in them. Yeah, I could see community service being a better way. To I agree. Do things. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. And that I think, and if I'm right here, is what prisons were originally intended for. I think they need to be removed. And I'm not saying having not having facilities for people absolutely do but I think these facilities need to be built from the ground up in a way that helps specific offenders like I said before but people who have more serious crimes like sex crimes and terrorism you know and obviously murders there needs to be more of a um, I think more of a psychological approach to that you know mm. what I mean particularly with terrorism for example if you think about that's very kind of brainwashed kind of ideologies isn't it so all I can think about is Putin Putin <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh the lad um, mm. it's true isn't it you know yeah. Particularly like people from the far right terrorism groups such as the EDL. Uh, I'm probably going to get death threats for saying that, but it's true. Ku Klux Klan, ISIS, you know, Al Qaeda, mm. you know, all those groups. They need, I guess, re- reintegrated into society in a way where they won't reoffend and can be debrained. Mm. Which I think is something the government was looking into, but but in the end scrapped it. Mm. It takes a lot of effort to debrainwash mm. somebody, I should imagine. Definitely, I could, could only imagine. But yeah, that's my ideology on that. I'm sure there were many people who disagree with me and I, and I welcome that constructive feedback. But I would always encourage people to ask themselves, regardless if you agree with me or Craig or not, do you think prisons work right now in the vein that they are and should be they be there to punish people? For me, no. I think prisons were made to help people because mm. even though what people do is wrong, are wrong, and I'm not by any means saying they should be in society, should we not be trying to get to the bottom of the problem as opposed to just punishing people and not solving anything? Yeah. You know, it's, it's it, an Therefore, hard it creates more problems. Yeah, of course. And obviously, I'm not saying that people don't deserve to be punished. I just don't know if the way that's being done is the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. well, that's my thought on that. I really enjoyed that episode. Mm-hmm. I, I did too. I think we close off Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.